Hi, Chris Valentin here. Welcome to my podcast, where I hope to inspire you to walk in your royal identity in Christ and experience God's goodness in every area of your life. I hope you enjoy this message today. And if you're looking for more resources, check out chrisvalentin.com. So good to have you online with us. And it's, uh, I'm still getting used to this format of preaching to hundreds of thousands of people and 10 in the room. But this morning, we're going we're gonna to pray, and we're going to talk about personal revival. So Holy Spirit, we're so thankful for what you're doing all over the world. The prophets prophesied that you would move all over the world, and Lord, we're so thankful that you are moving in every country, in every city, and in every heart. You said that you'd pour out your Spirit on all mankind, and Lord, we're looking for this day, for you to pour out your spirit on every single person. And Lord, we pray that as people listen today, that literally they would have an encounter with you, that this articulation would lead to an experience. Lord, we pray today that there would be open hearts and open minds, and that literally that you would heal the sick, that you would deliver people as they listen, that many people would come to salvation through the cross of Christ today. And Lord, we pray that our testimony, that the testimony of Jesus, the things that happened in my life, the things that happened in our lives, that they would become the spirit of prophecy and that would happen what you did to me, that you would do it again. What you've done for us, that you would do it again. And Lord, we just release that over people right now. We pray, God, that as people listen to this, as they listen to this message, that literally that they would get healed, that literally that they would get delivered, Literally, that they get saved and that you would release prosperity of soul on people as they listen today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're in this series about the God of revival, as you can see in the banner behind me. And we're talking about this in this series, in this part of the series, we're talking about personal revival. That, that revival in the nations, revival in the church actually begins with revival in my own heart, in our own hearts and I want to tell you just a little bit about my story. And last week, Bill got to share his story, and I was so, uh, it was so fun listening to Bill's story because I've been with Bill. Kathy and I have been with Bill and Benny for 41 years. We actually lived with Bill and Benny for six months, and that was a lot of fun. We had a rat that got loose in the house, and Bill wasn't super excited about that part of the revival. But uh, we had a lot of fun together and listening to Bill share his stories about uh, about God touching him at night and electricity running through his body. I remember the next day having that conversation with Bill about his experience and how, how moved he was and how, how much that, that experience just deepened his relationship and, uh, with the Lord and, and deepened his, his desire to see everyone touched by the Lord. And I want to tell you a little bit about my story. I wasn't raised in a Christian home. My father drowned when I was three years old. I've shared that many times in our congregation. And my mother married two other times, uh, two men who really didn't like me. And I realize now that they really didn't like themselves, but that was a little bit harder to understand in those days. And uh, my mother had just went through our, her first divorce and we were living in a, in a, in a, in a home and we had a, a prowler, uh, a man breaking into our house several times a week. As a matter of fact, um, we had the police out, I don't know, probably five out of seven days for nearly a year. And my mother was uh, covered in psoriasis uh, a lot from the anxiety of it. 
and uh, just from her head to toe, she had psoriasis everywhere. And because of the prowler trying to get into our house, she was sleeping with a gun, uh, a rifle, and I was sleeping with a, with, a, with a rifle myself in the bedroom. I was 15 years old, and I had a younger brother and sister. And it was very, as you can imagine, a very stressful time being the, the oldest sibling in the family and having my mother just crashed on the couch, just constantly in, in, in anxiety and in, in sickness and, and just not, not having any hope in God, not knowing God and never had experienced God. And most, uh, the most influential person in my life was my grandfather and he at the time was an atheist and thankfully uh, someday I'll get to tell that story of my grandfather received the Lord a year before he, he passed and he literally had angel visitations. But um, back to my story, I was laying awake at night with, like I did often and, uh, through, and with this great anxiety, my mother, I could hear my mother in the front room sleeping on the couch and we had actually had the prowler break into our house a couple of times, actually get in the house and, um, and, and I, had, uh, I had actually taken a shot at him. He had climbed through my window and I got my, my gun out. It was probably, I don't know, two o'clock in the morning and I yelled, he jumped out the window and I took a shot at him. And so it was a very stressful time. And I think it was that night or the night after that I said out loud, if there's a God, if you heal my mother, I'll find out who you are and I'll serve you the rest of my life. And an audible voice said, my name is Jesus Christ and you have what you requested. And I woke up the next, very next morning and my mother was completely well of the psoriasis. And uh, I began to realize that, uh, in fact, I forgot to tell you this part. This voice spoke to me. He said, my name is Jesus Christ. You have what you requested. And the next morning, my mother was completely well. And uh, I was probably a week past. And the voice came back. And the voice said, my, you, my, I healed your mother. And you said that if I healed your mother, that you'd serve me and I'm waiting. And so I began to look for Jesus. And I, I knew at that time, I'd never read the Bible. Again, I had no experience at all with uh, Christianity. And I didn't even know who God was until he said my name was Jesus Christ. And I realized then that he wasn't Buddha, he wasn't Muhammad, because the voice said my name is Jesus Christ. And I went from church to church looking for the God who spoke to me. And I'd often sit in the back of a church, and, and uh, sometimes two and three churches uh, in, on a Sunday, just walking from church to church in my neighborhood. And I would say the God who spoke to me wasn't, isn't here. And the truth is, he could have actually been there. I didn't actually know what I was looking for. And then when I was 18, and I, my girlfriend was with me in this journey, who's now my wife. I was, of course, I told you 15. She was 12 at the time. And so all for three years, we, we, we searched for God. And then we went to this little uh, home group. And it was a bunch of hippies. And, and actually, I think we were the only two people in there that weren't hippies. And my friend Steve said, you got to come to this home group. Like this is, this is, they're Jesus people and you will love it. And there's miracles there. And I thought, wow, you know, Jesus people. Okay. So Kathy and I, we went to this meeting and he said, you got to come early. It's in a house and there's only room for about 50 to hundred people. And if we don't get there early, we have to sit out in the front lawn. So if you got there late, they literally opened the windows and you sat on the front lawn. They had some speakers in the window and we got there on time. We were sitting in the front room on the floor and we're singing songs like, hallelujah, hallelujah. 
And as we were singing, this, all these kids just packed into this room, mostly long-haired uh, ex-drug addicts. People would stand up, young people would stand up and say, Jesus delivered me from heroin. Jesus healed me from epilepsy. Jesus healed my cancer. And for the first time in three years, I said in my heart, the Lord who spoke to me is in this room. And we were sitting on the floor and right after the, the worship, a young man, maybe just two or three years older than me, his name was Ken Hughes. And he said, would anyone in here like to receive Jesus? And I raised my hand and Kathy's on the floor and she's like, me too. And we prayed this really simple prayer, uh, just asking Jesus into our hearts. And after the prayer, Ken came over and he sat on the floor with us and he explained to us in very simple terms, the gospel, that Jesus had died on the cross for our sins. And that, he, that the power of Jesus dying on the cross, his blood set us free from all of our sins. And he began to just teach us the gospel over just a, just a few minutes. And he said that when we received Jesus, that we were born again. That literally that our spirits were reborn and that we were, new, we were a new creation in Christ. And we, we were both very moved by, the, by his message and very touched by the Holy Spirit that day. And he said to us, um, you need a dad. Like, you are like little children, and you're called a disciple. You're not just a Christian, you're a disciple, and you need a dad. And he brought over two young men, and he said, which one of these men would you like to be your father? <laughs> we didn't even know this isn't the way they do it everywhere. And we just chose the better looking guy, and his name was Art Kipperman. And Art became our spiritual father, and we met with Art and later his wife, Kathy, and my wife, Kathy, and we would meet every week in his home, and they would just teach us about Jesus and about the kingdom. And that was our, our introduction to the kingdom. And later on, about a year later, we moved, actually, we're about three years later, we moved to this little town called Lewiston, California. And just a, uh, about a year after that, we moved to this little town called Weaverville. And when we moved to Lewiston, I'd had a nervous breakdown and it was the worst season in my life. I could barely function. And I had grown up for the three years that I knew Jesus with, with Art Kipperman. And now we were um, hundreds of miles away from him. And he wasn't daily in my life. And I would, would pray every day, Lord, give me a spiritual father. And one day I was working in a repair shop. And I was laying underneath this, this Jeep. And I was actually crying. I was saying, Lord, I'm in the toughest season of my life. And I need a father. And I heard this voice in my spirit that said, the man who owns this Jeep will be your father. I'm like, I hope he's a Christian, you know. And later on, he came and he came to pick up his Jeep. And I'd never met him before. He was a man probably 20 years my senior. And I explained to him the bill, the, the, his, his, work, his work order. And I walked out to the, his Jeep with him. And he probably thought, this is the best service I've ever received. And we got out to his, his Jeep. And I'm standing there like an orphan, you know, like, choose me, choose me. And, you know, we're in a town of 3,000 people, and I'm thinking, I'm never going to see him again if he drives off. And not totally rational, but uh, he closed his door, and we, you know, shook his hand and closed his door and started up his Jeep. And I knocked on the window, and I said, and he, and he rolls down the window, and I said, I was underneath your Jeep today, and the Lord spoke to me and said, the man who owns this Jeep will be my father. Are you a Christian? <laughs> He said, yes, I am. And he turned off his Jeep and opened his door and put his arms around me and said, I would be, it would be my privilege to be your spiritual father. And 
That man was named Bill Derryberry. He's still in my life today. He's actually moved to Reading a couple of years ago. And we met every week and he poured into my life. And a big part of my journey, my big part of me having a connection with God and experiencing personal revival was so connected to having spiritual fathers and mothers in my life who poured into me, who discipled me, who encouraged me, and who also corrected me. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul, in verse 14, he's talking to the Corinthians, and he, said, he says this, for you were, maybe you were to have, if you were to have countless tutors in Christ, yet you would not have many fathers. For in Christ I have become your father through the gospel. Therefore I exhort you, be imitators of me. Isn't that interesting? He says, we, we're, we hear so much, you know, don't follow me, follow Jesus. But Paul said to, to the Corinthians, be imitators of me. And then he goes on to say, for this reason I have sent you Timothy. He is my beloved faithful child in the Lord. And he will remind you of my ways which are in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. I, I love this because I feel like there's been such a disconnection between following Jesus and actually being a part of a spiritual family. We're talking about personal revival, and I don't think that you sustain personal revival without, first of all, have, making a deep connection in fellowship with the church of Jesus and having mentors in your life, having someone maybe some people who can disciple you, who can speak into your life. And I think that there's, there's been such a lie that we should follow Jesus, but not follow man. And I'd like to suggest to you that Jesus put people in our life. Yes, there's, yes we're always following Jesus. In fact, Paul says to, to, to the Corinthians, I'm going to send you Timothy. He's going to teach you my ways, which are in Christ. And when people say, don't follow me, follow Jesus, Following you should be following Jesus. If following you isn't following Jesus, I'm not sure what you're doing. So when I say, follow me as I follow Jesus, my, my life should be exemplifying and magnifying uh, uh, Jesus Christ. And so later on, we uh, met Bill Johnson. I can still remember meeting Bill Johnson, uh, seeing Bill Johnson for the first time in our little church in Weaverville, California, a little Assembly of God church. And when Bill came, there was 40 people. And I remember Bill's very first message. I was sitting, I think, on the second or third row. And Bill got up and he was, he was just teaching and sharing. And first of all, I, it was the first time I'd heard someone be so profound without yelling. Bill, <laughs> Bill was like just sharing truth. And I was just weeping and thinking, where did this man get this, these graceful words, this, this, this power moving through his life and immediately got very attached uh, to Bill. And um, we, uh, we in this little church just began to experience just the kindness of God and the love of God. And we began to see people get healed and God moved powerfully in our, in our meetings and our church began to grow. And it was, first of all, it was, we grew to 70 or 80. And I think by the year, by the second year, we were completely packed and looking for another building. And we went to double services. And here in this little 
town of Weaverville of 3,000 people. Our church grew to almost 3,000, I mean, 300 people. (laughs) 3,000, that would be nice. The whole, we say the whole city came out to see the Lord, but it wasn't quite like that. But we just saw people just being touched. and, And then some years passed and Bill and Benny began to go to uh, Toronto Church in, um, in Toronto, the, the Renewal Church in Toronto with uh, John and Carol Arnott. And they got very touched there. And Bill came back one Sunday and he was sharing with our congregation. And actually, he just shared that, he, that they had went to Toronto and that they had been very touched there in, in that church in the Toronto Vineyard and uh, just shared a little bit of experience. And then we were worshiping that morning, and, that, and as we began to worship, Kathy was leading worship on the keyboard like she often did, and all of a sudden, my very conservative, quiet wife falls over the, the keyboard that she's playing, and she's just, I, I didn't know if she had a stroke, what was going on, I was sitting in the congregation, and she just began to laugh and laugh, and then pretty soon she Bill reached over and turned off the keys because she was laying on top of the keyboard and she fell on the ground and, and she was just laughing. And I was like, what happened to my wife? And uh, that Sunday, I, I had to carry her out to the car. And she laughed all the way home and we got home and I remember it was football season. I'm like, gosh, I hope she's still cooking for the guys. And <laughs> that didn't quite happen. I remember we ate potato chips and, and dip that, that Sunday morning as Kathy laid on the couch just laughing and laughing, and I kept saying, you know, are you okay? Like, yeah, yes, Jesus is so wonderful. I'm like, yes, yes, he is. Uh, are you okay? Yes, yes. And uh, that, that scene repeated itself over and over as we, every time we would get into the presence of the Lord, my wife would often fall on the ground or just start laughing uncontrollably in our house. She would just be working in the kitchen, and all of a sudden I'd go in the kitchen, she's laying on the floor laughing. I'm like, wow, how long is this going to last? I hope uh, we're going we're gonna to need to eat out more often here. And uh, we, just, we just saw God move so powerfully. I, I remember the first Sunday that Kathy fell over the keyboard and we were all quite shocked. This, this wasn't common in our church. And, and especially like Kathy was kind of the prototype non-emotional woman. And here she is laying on the floor laughing. And on Tuesday morning, we had a board meeting right after that incident. And one of my friends, Tom, his name's Tom, and Tom's a, a really tall, very, very intelligent guy who was a supervisor in a large forest service uh, uh, organization. And Tom was, we were talking in the, in the Tuesday morning meeting. And I remember Tom saying, you know, I just don't really feel like that was the Lord. I don't see that in the Bible. And I, and I felt, you know, very much like I want to come to my wife's defense, but maybe I shouldn't. And I was trying to figure out if I should say something. And the only thing I can remember saying that morning was, hey, I know my wife and I've never seen that happen in all the years I've been with her. I can't imagine how this isn't God. And I kind of went on to tell them what happened once she got home. She's laying on the floor. She's on the couch. She's laughing. She's happy. She's talking about how Jesus is moving in her life. And well, the very next Sunday, after that board meeting, when Tom said, I don't think that's the Lord, we're worshiping, we're in a theater, and the seats are bolted down, and they're on a little bit of a slant. And during worship, suddenly, like, electricity, like, hits Tom. Tom's a guy, six foot four, he's pretty skinny, 
and he falls down between the seats. I'm like two or three rows behind him. He falls down between the seats, and I'm like, what is going on? And so I kind of walk up, and Tom is in between the seats, and he's totally getting, like, he's having this manifestation of, like, being electrocuted. And he's like, there's just no room to move. <laughs> and I walk up to Tom, and I stand over him, and I say, I don't really think this is the Lord. <laughs> and Tom looks up, and he's shaking, and he goes, Valentin, shut up. <laughs> And, and uh, I think it was a, a few Sundays later that his very quiet daughter, Hillary, ends up on the floor getting touched by the Holy Spirit. And his whole family, within a, a month or two, was, was touched. And my, my family just began to get touched. And we just had this really powerful time. Part of the challenge for me was that I was beginning to have this love-hate relationship with the renewal because nothing was happening to me. So little by little, our people were getting touched. My, my son got powerfully touched and, and people would start, was start to, started to come to our church and we would pray for them. I would pray for them and they would often have some manifestation, shaking or laughing, crying, falling down. I'm like, well, that was cool. Things were happening through me, but they weren't happening to me. And I began to say, I have the Statue of Liberty anointing. Like, nothing really happens to me. And I, I drove up to Reading uh, one Sunday, I, I'm sorry, one Wednesday, actually, and Bill had this prayer meeting. By now, he had left uh, Re uh, Weaverville, and he had moved to Bethel to become the senior leader, and he had a prayer meeting on a Wednesday, and I came to that prayer meeting just as a business guy, just connected to Bill, and, and it, was, it was a good prayer meeting, renewal, lots of people got touched. I, again, would come to the meeting, and never get touched, just pray for people, and God would move through me, but not really on me. And, and uh, I laid on the floor one, one Wednesday, and a couple of the guys came over, including Bill, and they started praying for me, and I didn't feel anything happen. I got out to my truck to go home back to Weaverville, and as I got out to my truck, I couldn't, I couldn't think. And I got in my truck, and I, I've never drank alcohol or taken drugs in my life, but suddenly I felt drunk and I was sitting in my truck and I was thinking, I don't know if I could drive home. I don't know if I should drive home. Should I drive home? Am I drunk? And I was sitting in the truck thinking, I've never experienced this before. I've heard people talk about it, but I've never experienced this before. So I got my truck and, and I decided, okay, it's an hour drive home. I'll go very slow, <laughs> which is not my norm at all. So I'm driving home. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, I feel very, I feel intoxicated. And I got home and usually I go right, to, right back to work to the auto parts store that we owned at the time. And, but I thought, I think I should go home. I, I don't think I could actually work today. So I drove home and Kathy was home. Her office was at home and I walked in the house and she's like, hey baby, what are you doing home? I said, I don't know. She's like, you don't know? What do you, what do you mean? I said, Did you go to the prayer meeting? Uh-huh. How was it? Oh, it was okay. And she's like, okay. I said, I'm just going to lay down in the bedroom. She goes, are you sick? I said, well, I don't know. So I went in the bedroom and I laid down and I, and I stayed there for 24 hours. <laughs> and I literally didn't get up. I don't, even, I don't even remember if I got up to go to the restroom. I just laid on, laid on the floor and I was just like, oh, this feels so good. And, and uh, the next morning I got up to go to work and I got all dressed, took a shower, got dressed, and I went out to the front room, and I always would just kneel and pray for five or 10 minutes before I go to work. So 
I got up and got all, got all ready and went out in the front room early in the morning, went to pray, and, and I ended up just laying on the floor, and I just couldn't get up. And then at, I don't know, nine o'clock or so, Kathy came out, and she's like, you're not at work. What are you doing? I don't know. Why aren't you at work? I don't, I don't know. Are you sick? I don't really know. She's like, well, what's happened? I thought, I don't know. I just started to pray, and I just feel, I don't know. I don't know how I feel. I just feel like I can't work. And she's like, okay. Well, I laid there all day and all night, and my men were calling, like, Kathy, like, hey, uh, we need Chris. Uh, is he coming in today? She's like, I don't think so. The next morning, I got up. I got dressed. I showered, got dressed, went in the front room, kneeled down, ended up on the floor again. This is like day three. And so I'm laying there. I'm like, I don't think I can work. So Kathy comes in. She doesn't realize that I'm not, that I'm not at work. And she comes in the front room. She's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. She's like, you don't know? I'm like, I don't know. I'm just laying here and talking to God. And she's like, okay, you're going to see Danny Silk. Danny Silk was our pastor at the time. So she's like, you're going to go see Danny Silk. So she calls Danny and makes an appointment for me. And I don't know, I go down there at 12 o'clock or so. And I, I'm, I'm in, I get there and Danny's in a meeting. And Sherry Silk is uh, his admin at the time. And she's like, oh, what are you doing here? And I said, well, I don't know. You don't know? So, no, Kathy told me I need to come see Danny. So I'm waiting for Danny, maybe 15 minutes, and Sherry comes over and says, I think I'll, think I'll pray for you. I said, okay, you can pray for me. So I'm sitting there, and like, just totally like, just in, enveloped in this sense of his presence, but not really understanding what was going on with me. So she comes over to pray for me, and she ends up on the floor. I'm like, whoa. Finally, I get in Danny's office, and Danny's like, what are you here for? I said, I don't know. Kathy sent me, and so he prays for me. He talks to me a little bit, and he goes, well, let me pray for you. And he prays for me, and we both end up on the floor. And I come home an hour and a half later, and Kathy's like, what did Danny say? I say, I don't know. Prayed for me, and he's on the floor too. And, and I was just in this presence for like three days. And the Lord was just touching me, and I, I really, I said I don't know because I felt like it enraptured, but I had no explanation for what was happening to me. And I felt like my spirit was just being refreshed and renewed. The interesting thing was, that was many years ago, and I've never had an experience like that again. And I went 20 years at Bethel and continued, my, my MO as the Statue of Liberty anointing. People are falling down everywhere, and I'm in, this, in the meetings, and I am remembering that I know that this is, that people are getting, you know, so powerfully changed because of my three-day experience and my wife's experience and my son's experience and my grandchildren's experience. But I continued to not have manifestations, any kind of manifestation from then on. And I began uh, to be in this journey where I'm like, maybe something's wrong with me. Maybe, maybe I've sinned. Maybe I've done something wrong. And I, I began to have a love-hate relationship with renewal meetings because God would work through me and I would pray for people and they would have powerful manifestations, but he wasn't, he, I didn't have any manifestations happening to me. 
And year after year that went on, and we would have people, guest speakers come, and they would pray for people, and our whole, our entire congregation would be laying on the floor, either, either laughing or weeping or just being touched by the presence of the Lord and overcome by the kindness of God. And I would be the only person in the room standing. And sometimes I would just lay down just so I wouldn't be like, okay, here I am, untouched by the Lord. And, and, uh, and one day I, I went home and I was really discouraged. And, I, and I, I said to Lord, Lord, you're touching other people, but I've been 20 years since you've touched me like that. Am I doing something wrong? Is there sin in my life? Is there something happening that, that it keeps you from touching me like that. And the Lord spoke to me very powerfully and he said to me, it's none of your business how I touch people and the manifestations they have. And then he began to talk to me. I, I began to weep and the Lord showed me. He said, when I, when, I, when I touched Samson, he got strong. And when I touched Solomon, he got wise. And when I touched Elijah, he got fast and outran the chariot. And when I touched Bazel, he could move in, 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 in crafting silver and gold and he became very artistic. And I began to realize that the Lord's, that the manifestation of God, your, your relationship with God couldn't be measured by the manifestations that you were having. And I, I began to realize like sometimes measuring people's relationship by the manifestation they had actually just drove people into shame and guilt and caused them to feel like God didn't love them or God didn't, God wasn't, God's favor wasn't on them. And I began to realize that sometimes we would get up and say, you know, if you really love God, you'd be on fire for him. And I began to realize that telling people they should be on fire with God didn't create a place for them to be on fire with God. But really, the most people would get deeper connected with God as they, as they hung around people who, who were actually being touched by God. And I just want to just say this, that spending time with God, allowing him to love you and telling you what he thinks about you is one of the most powerful ways to actually, actually have a personal renewal. Hanging out with people who are alive and well in God, even though they may be having manifestations you're not having, is a wonderful way to actually inspire personal revival in your own life. Sharing your faith with others, reminding yourselves of the acts of God, being humble, living every day full of faith, and recounting the prophecies in our life is a wonderful way to inspire a personal revival in God. I wanna just pray for you right now. God, I just bless everyone who's listening today. And I pray, Lord, that each and every person who's watching this, ta that this teaching today would actually be inspired to have a personal renewal, a personal revival, that they literally be touched in a new way, that you wanna do more than we ask or think. God, you wanna do things that transcend our mind and touch our spirits. And today, God, I pray that you would actually do that today, that people would have an aha moment, that you would heal hearts, that you would heal minds, that you would heal bodies, that you would heal families, that you would heal finances, and this would be that day that the Lord has made, 
that we would be glad in it and that we would find a place of personal connection, a place of joy, a place of refreshing. And I just, I just speak that to you in Jesus' name. God bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. Thanks so much for listening to my podcast. If you want to find out more, read my blog or listen to the previous podcast episodes. Go to chrisvelleton.com. Have an awesome day.